0: Our foundation is God's word. And as you're turning back to 1 Timothy chapter 4, we're reminded again that uh, absolute truth matters. The absolute truth only comes from the word of God. And and that is our foundation. Our foundation is not built upon a, you know, quote unquote denomination. It's not built around like some guy, some famous pastor or, you know, it's, it, it, it's around the word of God, period, beginning and end. Um, I was thinking about this and, you know, we've, over the last couple of years have had this thing called COVID, right? And we tend to start with end results. Uh, did you hear that, that Rick died from COVID? Um, well, COVID deaths were, were a result of something. You know, there they're there's they're symptoms. You know, tired, you know, loss of breath, sickness. Okay, those are symptoms. But but what's the cause? What what's the cause of of this of these deaths? And you know, we start looking into the causes and it's like, well it's a it it's a virus and well it, it seems to affect more um, urgently older people, people with with certain health risks, and so those are more the the causes. Well, in order to truly understand the end result, well we need to know all those things, right all those all those factors, all those facts. Well, it's the same thing in Christianity. Um, it's, we, we, we need to know what those those isolated truths are. So that the end result is eternal life and not eternal death. Uh, We need to get it right. And we learned that with, with COVID, you don't want to take the wrong thing. That's not going to help you. Right? Well, if you're diagnosing wrongly, then you're going to prescribe wrongly. You're going to give the wrong answer. And, And there are serious causes. In Christianity like and we've been going over this like false prophets and false teachers that are going to drive us to false religions and, and that's what our, our study is based around then the symptoms then are well the, these new brands of Christianity that just pop up all over the place there's all kinds of new names there's all kinds of new catchy phrases but here's the result imitation Christianity. That's the result. That's the end result of all this. The, this newness. Well, there's a there's a big umbrella in the Christian world that's been growing and growing and has really taken stride, uh, and that's called progressive Christianity. Progressive Christianity. And that that phrase may ring a bell. In that uh, you hear the progressives politically, and it has the same kind of. Um, kind of the same kind of idea. It's, it's representing a, a postmodern viewpoint that we're seeing in the world and in politics, but, but even more so, we're seeing it in Christianity and, and it's deadly. The progressive Christianity and is a, is, is a symptom, but what the, the result is it's a, it's a reproach against God and his word. That's the ultimate driving force is to get you away from God's word so that you will float away from God. Um, It's a simple strategy, but a very effective one. And so we see things like, you know, postmodernism, right? There is no absolute truth. Ergo, the Bible isn't absolutely true. There is no absolute morality. God isn't absolute moral moral, right? He doesn't have absolute moral standards. And so when you look at that and you look at the Bible, it's like, well, postmodernism is a direct attack against God's word. We know of some famous, you know, people and, uh, you know, publishers, things like uh, Christianity Today, you know, the really the only uh, Christian, um, you know, publication that there is, is a completely postmodern Um, publication. We we hear of churches and people, you know, you hear of things like Saddleback Church and Purpose Driven Life and Rick Warren. Uh, Those are all under the progressive Christian umbrella. And we'll talk about these in more detail later. We're seeing things right now and it's like, oh, cool. There's Jesus ads on commercials, on the Super Bowl. He gets us. Uh, are you listening to what's being said are you reading what they're what, what what the the taglines are it's all part of the progressive christian movement which again is an imitation christianity and i'm not saying that all these people are imitation christians or all the people behind them but but what they're teaching is is not the real mccoy you know, for years we've been seeing on people on TV, you know, the Joel Olsteins, the the Beth Moore's, the Joyce Myers, Andy Stanley is tremendously popular right now, but here's the problem. Is their teaching, their 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 wrong teaching from the scripture, their bad theology, their bad doctrine is leading people to death. And and we we have to 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 speak about that, and the scriptures are not silent, so we and I can't be silent either. Progressive Christianity has certain earmarks. They it, it was developed by, and this should be a trigger. It was developed by liberal Christians. So so by definition, we're starting where they're postmodern and they're liberal. Their birthing was from the Enlightenment. Okay, which again, that was the first real challenge of, of, of against God and against biblical teaching. It's a desire at its core to reform the faith. So at its core, it's looking at Christianity and saying it needs fixing. It needs fixing. Um, So it's going to reclaim the truth, the truth. It's going to reclaim what we're seeing as truth in the Bible with its own stories which with its own variations of these stories that we, the, the, you know, the, the history that we see in the Bible, and they'll just twist it ever so slightly. That's what makes things like, like the chosen so dangerous is because they infuse the, these ideas of, well, we can see the story a little bit differently and let's divert from that and let, let's, let's expand that a little bit more, but it's entirely conjecture. It's not based on biblical truth. Um, progressive Christianity—they—they—they—they—they they, 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 they challenge Christianity. I mean, that's their starting point. Think about that. Hey, there's a there's a new faith out there, you guys, and this faith is all about challenging Christianity and not believing in the Bible. Want to follow? See, they don't come at it like that, though, do they? And that's what makes it so. Deceptive And unfortunately, it's not Christian. Look, the Bible couldn't be more clear. I mean, there's so many passages and verses about warning for false prophets and false teachers. You think the Bible's joking? I mean, the Bible itself is, is telling us, hey, open your eyes. They're out there. By definition, not out there in here, in the church. Prophets and teachers that will produce, as we've mentioned, and we'll continue to mention false religions, other brands of so-called Christianity. The closer they get in their terms, the closer they get in mirroring Christianity, the, the better the counterfeit, right? And so especially when you have like within your name, Christianity, progressive Christians, course, the progressive is lifted and the Christian is down, but it's not presented that way. We're all Christians, are we? Um, We see, again, the scripture has been clear that the wise, the wise professing to be so smart, professing to be so wise are actually fools. They're actually fools. And so we see this with teachers and politicians and scientists and preachers Trying to be so tricky, so clever, they're actually fools. and, and you can see it right now and, and just you know go go to a, a, a basic you know public school and see the nonsense, the geniuses of science. again, don't know what a male or a female is. You're gonna trust that guy. I mean, seriously, you're gonna send your kids to that school. Well, the other thing they do is they love to in the progressive movement. They live to hijack Christian terms. There's this strong emphasis on, on things like social, social justice, the stewardship of, of the earth, loving everybody, right? Diversity. And these, Hey, these seem like, like reasonable things. I mean, you know, we, we want to love everybody, right? Uh, we, we, we're, we're not racist. We, we want to be diverse. But, but they, they've invoked and imposed, you know, the, 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 the woke, woke country, uh, culture and political aspect to this. And what they've really done is redefine biblical terms and turn them into more of a political thing and not a Christian thing. And we'll, we'll get into that. So they've hijacked terms like compassion and mercy. Their definition of compassion and mercy and love is completely different. Than a biblical definition. Completely different. They use the phrases, but they're applying more along the lines of political applications to, to things like justice. Justice is, is a legal term used throughout the scriptures. Um, not to be twisted and turned. And the two most common abuses, really, are love. Their definition of love has nothing to do with 1 Corinthians 4. Four through seven. Love is patient. Love is... Con- no. Love is usually starts off with something like a feeling and sexuality and stuff like that, right? So if it feels good, if it feels like the right thing, then do whatever you want. That has nothing to do with what love is. Ask anybody who's been <coughs> married for over five minutes. That's not what love is. Right? You, you better have that foundation of patience in there and kindness and forgiveness which by the way is what the Bible defines as loves, not as, not, you know, that, that teenage, you know, starry eyed feelings. I mean, yeah, we feel that we have feeling, but that's not what it's all about. Uh, We have a commitment. The worst of all though, is Jesus, a completely redefined Jesus. Jesus is the Lord of the universe. He is the King. He is the judge. And when he comes back, he's bringing a sword. Have you heard of that Jesus? Or do you only hear about hippie Jesus? Love, joy, peace, kindness. Well, he's both. And you have to understand all of who Jesus is, not just a piece of who Jesus is, It it reminded me of like looking at a chessboard, right? It's like, you you know, the horsey, you know, he's not called the horsey. He's uh, I think he's called the knight. but the horsey, you know, goes, you know, one, two and over, right? One, two and over. It's like, well, 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 Jesus is every piece on the board and you got people going, no, no, Jesus is the horsey one, two and over one, two and over. That's all you hear over. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. That's his move. That's not his only move. You've got to know all the truth. And so what we want to do as we're discovering and, and diving into truth matters is we're going to look at 1 Timothy 4, which again is, is a warning to a church, to its people, to us. It's, and we're going to see four warnings that really apply to progressive Christianity. Uh, progressive Christians teach deceitful doctrines. Progressive Christians are not nourished by the word. The third point we want to look at is progressive Christians teach other things. Um, They teach ungodly things. Progressive Christians finally don't give attention to Scripture. Now, you'll notice that all all four of them are all tied back into Scripture. This is the anchor. Our anchor is God's Word. And so when when you're twisting and turning and doing everything you can to get away from God's Word, that should... Sound the alarm. Let me read again 1 Timothy 4. But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, I think we can safely say we're in the latter times, that some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Now that should should raise your attention, right? Okay. There's going to be a time where people are going to fall away from the faith. Why? Because they pay attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines. That's why we're here. We're not here studying this just for kicks or just to poke fun at people. No, this is serious. This is painful. It's painful to point this out. Uh, Quite frankly, it's even a bit scary to think, I have no idea what books you guys are reading, what movies you're watching, what podcasts you're listening to, what YouTubes you're pulling out. What I do know is there's a lot of junk out there and they're good. They're sweet talking. They're clever. They are by definition, deceitful. And that's what's scary. And so just as some reminders, the, the, the real Jesus, do you remember the, the, our sermon that we all memorized? And for those of you who are new, um, yes, we're that smart. We can remember a whole sermon that Jesus gave and you're going to leave here. Knowing it too. It goes like this. Repent. You did it. Now this is how Jesus comes out of the gate. He comes out. Now again, you got to understand, understand somebody coming to you. Hi, my name's Tony. Glad to meet you. Repent. Um, that doesn't sound all that great, right? I mean, you get what, that, what is being said to you. You need to change. You need to walk away from your sin. You, you, you need to do better, right? All those things. Well, that was the, the, the starting point of John the Baptist, the starting point of Jesus. And, and it's like we've, we've forgotten that. Here's the real Jesus. Hebrews uh, chapter 10 Verse 26, for if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, you know what's true. There is no longer remains a sacrifice of sin. Let me repeat. If you go on willfully sinning after you know what the truth is, there is no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain terrifying expectation of judgment. How's that for hippie Jesus and the fury of fire, which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severe the punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the son of God and is regarded as unclean, the blood of the covenant by which he is sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace. We are all sinners in this room, line up behind me, but we've been saved by grace through faith, not of our own. It's a gift from God, but we don't trample on that grace by abusing, by, by continuing to willfully sin. Verse 34, we know him who said, vengeance is mine. I will repay again and again. The Lord will judge his people. Verse 31, it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. That's the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that you will not perish, but have eternal life. And somehow we've reinterpreted that to God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. None of you will perish. That's not what the verse says. That's not what God's word says. And, and if you trample under, and I'm not talking about that you have sin. We, 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 all, we all sin even today, but we fight it. We fight against it every single inch, every blade of grass that we take a step on. We fight that sin. We don't willfully, flagrantly, flippantly just say, whatever, may, may God get more glory. The scriptures in Romans says, may it never be. No, that's that's abusing grace. But the progressives, the progressives actually attack Christianity and call us unloving and unkind and, and mean and hate. We're, you know we're a hate group, right? You you get that. Be very, very clear, politically speaking, we are a hate group. Why? Because we take the stand that God does. Not in an unloving way. No, it's, it's not unloving to, to save somebody from themselves, from their sin that's taking them down a path of unrighteousness. Now, there's a kind way that we can do it and a gentle way to do it. But when the rubber meets the road, we have to be honest, right? You need to repent and change from that. Why? Because God said. Not because I said. It's not my standard. It's God's standard. Again, Jesus said, look, if you love me, Keep my commandments, parents. Parents, you have children. The best way your children can love you just obey you, right? Not not be famous stars or make lots of money. You don't ex- d- demand, expect, even care about that. J- just respect you. That will show you when they take out the trash. Nothing yells louder than anything. Then I love you, mom. When you wash the dishes, nothing says louder. I love you, Mom, than washing the dishes, right? It's simple stuff. Keep the commandments. But no, we're called a hate group, and the progressive Christians are first in line to do that. And then call us legalists. See, they, 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 they're, they're defined by this rebuke. It's a constant, a nonstop rebuke against. Christians and So the 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 idea behind progressive is well. They're the ones that are growing They're the ones that are developing. They're the ones that are becoming more enlightened And so they're not traditional proudly. They're not traditional proudly. They're not conventional. Yeah, that's true They can always find somebody out there who was an abusive pastor father, mom, right? You could always find that person. But that's not what Scripture says. That's not the guideline of what Scripture teaches. And so they believe that you must improve and you must change Christianity. But here's the question. Who changes God's Word? Who in this room is so wise to to change one sentence in, in, in God's Word? Anybody want to stand up? Um, by what authority do you think you can change God's words? Cause maybe in the back of your mind, say, so, well, I actually, I would change this. I don't understand why God says you can't do this. Uh, okay. By what authority do you think you get to say that or do it? I mean, why change? Why change God's word? If you really believe it's God's word, why would you even think to change it? It's like having a, you know, hey, mom found us a new uh, piano teacher. Really? Yeah. She's the greatest teacher in the face of the earth. Great. I can't wait to change her so you could do it my way. Really? That's that's who we are. We're that child trying to change God. And how would you change it? How would you go about changing God's word? It's infinite depth and wisdom. Um. The the audacity, Romans 9, 20 through 21 says it greatly. Who do you think you are who answers back to God? God puts us in his place. Kind, loving, merciful God says, hey, stop right there. Who do you think you are? Job ran into the same thing. And God said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Job 38. "Um, Were you there? When all this was created, when Mount Rainier popped out of the face of the earth, were you there? And now here you are saying, well, I would have made it a little bit different. I would have done, you know, why does it have to be like white all year long? Um, And this is simple stuff. Revelation 22 warns us, do not add, do not subtract. And again, who are you to change it? By what authority? Why would you change it and how would you change it? You know what? My job isn't to change it. My job's to understand it and follow it. Period. Well, progressives don't, don't see it that way. Their, their pride is unbelievably astounding. It is incredible when you read their, their, their literature and stuff. And again, look, God's grace is completely free, it's free. It's for sinners. Like we don't have to pretend that we're not sinning. I mean, think about that. We, we, we can be, you know, they say in prison, nobody in prison's guilty. All the convicts look at each other and say, well, I was framed. I didn't do it. You no, know, we're, we're guilty. We're all guilty. You don't have to say you weren't guilty. You don't have to redefine what sin is. Why? Because that price was paid for you. I mean, what, what a deal. Jesus died to pay off your debt. But in their minds, what debt? That's not sin. That's not sin. That's not wrong. Well, times have changed. My culture. What, what's sin? No sin here. I mean, that's really what they're saying. They don't say it like that, though. Why? Because they're deceitful. So they, they've teamed up progressive Christians And we'll, over the weeks, we'll look at this in in many different ways, but they've teamed up with kind of that social justice warrior mindset. And it's really, at the end of the day, it's this, look how good I am. Look at what I'm doing. Doesn't it mean that I care? And so they're the quintessential wolves in sheep's clothing. And many of you probably have never even heard the term progressive Christian. That shows you how deceptive it is. Cause they don't call themselves that most of the time, but they do think God's word needs fixing. They do think God is not in touch. He's not in touch. Starting from creation. Oh, uh, well, the Bible, it's evolution, not creation. Um, life isn't the way the Bible teaches life is male and female gender. Isn't the way the Bible says, Marriage isn't the way the Bible says. I mean, this is like the first three chapters in the Bible that are under attack here. And progressives think, nope, God got it wrong. God got morality wrong. The absolute moral being of the universe, absolute moral law giver of the universe, doesn't understand morality. Basic Ten Commandments. Stealing's not really wrong, coveting's not really wrong. Well, that's not what God says. So, let's dive into here. First Timothy four, verse one. The first warning of progressive Christianity is is progressive Christian is they teach deceitful doctrines. But the Spirit explicitly says that in a latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. That's deep, right? That's embedded. That's a scar for life. Verse 3, Men forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God had created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created is by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. For it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. What we see here that the first one is, look, there's going to be teachers that are, that are deceptive and we think, oh yeah, well, I mean, that's a given, right? Oh, okay. Are you paying attention or are, are, are you, are you listening then? If, if, if there's teachers out there that are being deceptive, well, how are they being deceptive? Well, we, we get a glimpse in verse two that a lot of it is through hypocrisy. They use hypocrisy of liars. Um they're good liars. They're really good liars. They'll do this kind of stuff. I believe in the Bible. And for the next 40 minutes everything is preaching against their belief in the Bible and how the Bible is untrue. Uh, Andy Stanley is a a magician at this. Um and I and I use him as a name because for some crazy reason there's churches now all over America that actually are copying other Churches sermons like it, like it's a, a, a franchise program and, and we have one right here in our neighborhood, a very thriving church as, as far as people who attend. And they literally just copy Andy Stanley's sermons every week, all the way down to the anecdotal, me and my wife were on a walk <laughs> and, and it's crazy. So his influence is what's frightening. That, and that's why I, I bring him up, because he, his, his hypocrisy in the lies is, is nonstop. We, we look at things like, well, what about the forbidding of marriage, right? You ever hear of a Catholic priest? I've never heard of anything so demonic mm-hmm. as to tell people who clearly have a drive to not be single and to not be celibate, that they have to be in order to be holy, and in order to be godly, and in order to be your leaders. And that's going on today. And you'll still get some people who who think that that's a, a higher holy thing, or advocating abstaining from foods. This is even crazier, and there's nothing new about this, but there's tons of religions right now, all over the place, and it's like food is the driving force. It used to be the the the, the meat, right? And the, and the shellfish and the Jews, um, there's the kosher, but I mean, it extends all over. Why? It's because food is such a control thing and it feels good to be that discipline. It's hard to be disciplined with food, right? Cause food's tasty, delicious, and good and fun. And so creating a religion based on like the conquering of something, you actually feel pretty good about yourself. Really disciplined, faithful, And so food is is used in many different religions. But it's deceitful doctrine. God, God said, look, everything's good that I've created. Eat. Man, steak is so delicious. Especially if you wrap it in bacon. God is good. But see, they constantly contradict doctrine and again there's this this attention here like even with the, the the spiritual body right i'm gonna i'm gonna be pumped for jesus you know um and it's tied in with well we're not supposed to be gluttons we're the body's the temple of the holy spirit and so we we conflate these things and ideas and so this focus becomes on on being like super attractive and pretty and good looking and you, and you say that oh no not in christianity it was amazing. Me and uh, Caleb, when we moved back up here, uh, we went to a really popular church and, and I couldn't help but notice all around us. Like, man, these people are good looking. Like all of them. It was crazy. Young and young too. Sorry, none of us would make it. Well, some of you would, but... Oh, they're all young and hip. They're cool clothes and hip. And it's like, um, that's all part of this external... Not, but, but God constantly focuses on our internal spiritual well-being. And so, part of the progressive deceitful teachings that, that they, they spew, but it packages really nicely, especially with the world. So it's like, we can grow our church by bringing in outside worldly influences. And then the people who like those, non-Christian ideas can now come and join us because we believe the same thing as they do. Things like you hear this all the time. We need to have oneness, oneness and unity in our community. Well, who doesn't want to be a united community, but united in Jesus. I don't want to be united in what they want to be united in, right? And so that oneness and unity, again, is focused on the foundation of Jesus. If you don't want to study and follow the word, I'm out. Then I do not want to be unified with you. If you want to have a different Jesus, I do not want to be unified with you. There's only one way. Uh, The teachings of Jesus, and again, are not Jesus exclusive. Um, When you really get into their things, Jesus is always just way more inclusive to all those other different religions. And the Bible can't be more clear from from the very early pages, the very early warnings to the Jews that you have to be careful. There's there's this radical, this attention to this this idea of radical compassion. What's radical compassion? Mm -hmm. Whatever you're doing is cool and going to be okay. That's radical compassion. Whatever it is that you're doing that's hurting you and destroying your family and and is bad and the results of it are bad, it's okay. Jesus loves you. Jesus says you need to repent from that. And he will free you and, and break the shackles of sin and help you. And you're not a slave to unrighteousness, but a slave to righteousness. They just don't like that part. Because to them, that's not loving or compassion. They have real compassion. Again, be a parent. Is real compassion? You know, letting your 14-year-old run the streets all night long by themselves. That's not compassion. I would say that's hate. You hate your child if you just blindly let them do whatever they want. Um, more ideas, they, they, again, they value the questioning of Scripture more than just the, the submission to it. You know, I don't fully understand why the Bible says this way, but I'm going to follow it. No, I don't fully understand why the Bible says that way, so I have a better way. And it's crazy how the better way lines up with the world. You know, the, the, the world's idea of the, the roles between, you know, men and women, male and female... It's amazing how progressive Christians line up really nicely with the feminist movement. I guess that's just lucky. Um, They have a a crazy concept of the protection of the earth. Well, this isn't new. Mother earth has always been worshiped. It's one of the oldest religions in the book is to worship the sun, to worship stars and planets and the earth itself. There's only one little problem. This is a creation. This is a, a little flick. On the finger of God. God created this planet. God upholds this planet. God is in charge of this planet. If he wants to lick down fire, he can do it. If he wants to flood the whole planet, he can do it. He has done it. And when he says, I'm not going to do it again, why? Because he's in charge of it. That hurricane and tsunami and surge will stop because God says, stop. You and I cannot destroy the earth to a catastrophic end we're not capable of it. And the, the thought that you are really is, I mean, it, it, it's so arrogant, but we'll, we'll talk about that specifically. <laughs> they are on this self destructive, deceitful doctrine path of, of self love. Really at the core of these things, it's a constant nonstop. You're okay. You, you just forgive yourself, love yourself. Be good with yourself and then everything else will, will work out. That's not what scripture says. Scripture warns us that selfishness, that attention to yourself, is destruction. Which you need to be is selfless. And so in your marriage and your relationships, again, if you're in a marriage and you're looking at going, okay, here's, here's the cure to my marriage. Think about me first. Um, make sure that everything that happens is driven to please me. Make sure that that I get what I want and, and then tell your spouse, this is the plan. See how that goes over. It, I mean, it's ridiculous that that's what's out there. That's what's being said. How about do nothing from selfishness? You wake up in the morning, look over, how can I, what can I do? What are you doing today? How can I help you? Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. I'm not better than you. My queen, what would you like? How can I serve you today? No, don't do that. Ha- they'll hate that one. They'll hate that. Have a humility of mind. Don't be arrogant. I'm never wrong. I never do anything wrong. You know what, honey? I'm, I may have misjudged this. I may have seen this the wrong way. What do you think? Selflessness is the character trait that, that Christ himself exhibits and says, this is how we're supposed to live. That's the model of marriage in Ephesians five with the man who's the head of the house. How? By being the head servant. But they don't like that because Wait, wait, wait you said he's the head of the house. No, I heard you. Um, that's right. He leads what true love is. Being patient, kind, good, not keeping account of wrong suffered, bearing burdens, living in righteousness. (laughs) One of the worst points of the progressive Christians and their deceitful doctrine is they they take the personal as authentic. Now, this is the most dangerous, really, of them all. Why? Because I can't argue you. Okay. So, so something that you did, something that's, that's good for you, right? Well, you're, I mean, you say you shouldn't take care of yourself, but you know, I was 500 pounds a year ago and now I'm, I'm a buck 20. I've got a 13 pack and cause I, I lean on one side too much, but um, I, I ride 30 miles a day. Look at me. Look at me go. Um, can't argue with results, right? Well, they take the personal, whatever it is, whether it's a spiritual thing, it's like, well, it's the way it worked for me. Well, you don't even know that that's a positive thing. Uh, maybe having you know, the perfect body is the worst thing that ever happened to you because now you become so arrogant and so self-motivated and all you do is work out. I mean, the weeds are this tall, you know? And you know, the plumbing doesn't work, but you got sweet abs. Um, you're pretty, you know, the dishes are stacked up and you know, nobody eats anything, but you know, Ritz and, and, and lunch meat, but Hey, you know, I've got pretty nails. Look, just because you do it, just because it's happened to you, doesn't make it authentic. And so, stories then are, are what drive their narrative. Well, that's easy to be deceptive. That's easy to trick us. Easy. There's a lot of bad people doing things and are seemingly rewarded for them. That doesn't make it good, godly, or wholesome. Here's the point. the The, the anchor of this is, and the first warning is that that they teach from a, a position of deceit. There's going to be deceitful spirits. And, and because they're deceitful, their doctrines are doctrines of demons. And that is not nice, right? The doctrine of demons that goes right back to our Ephesians six study uh, of the principalities of, of the satanic, deep demonic things that are in motion. Well, we had to give a lot of background here. Um, and so I think this will probably be a, a, a better place to stop before we, we get into more because it, it is important that we understand <laughs> the foundation of this philosophy. Cause like I said, it, it's not like one size fits all. Uh, when we warn about certain people, books, podcasts, movies, the the, the reason is, well, there's going to be new ones all the time. Mm-hmm. So so we want to have kind of that, that, okay, what am I looking out for? And so the, the, the first thing is when we're looking for deceit, are these doctrines of the faith? Can, can I go to the, the Word and say, well, the, the Bible drives us to a communal, global oneness. No. This is why people, quite frankly, hate Christianity, because we say this is exclusive. There's only one way. There's only one Bible. There's only you know, one God. It's that oneness that's from scripture that really makes them mad. But it's that same oneness that's like, this is what my feet stand on. I can't get my feet off of this. So you come in with something new. If it's a different thing than what's in Scripture, here, show me the verse. Show me the verse that says, I am supposed to love myself above everything else. Because it sounds sweet. It does sound sweet. But it it is that fruit from the pit of hell that will send you directly there. Before we take communion, uh, let me pray. Lord, we are thankful.